Tonight, heartbreak and horror after a city bus crashes into a Quebec daycare, killing two children. A lot of screaming. It was awful. The victims, their parents' anguish. Was this intentional? And the man now accused of first-degree murder. <laughs> Defying the odds in Turkey and Syria. More incredible rescues as time runs out to find anyone alive. Plus, the Netflix password crackdown. And I'm just going to cancel Netflix. Caring about sharing and what it will cost you. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Good evening, everyone. What was supposed to be a routine daycare drop-off this morning turned into a nightmare for parents in the Montreal suburb of Laval. Panic, panic, and uh, I called on my friends, you know, all the, the moms that goes there. Two children are dead and six rushed to hospital with injuries. At 8.30 a.m., it's alleged a bus driver deliberately plowed into the entrance of the building. The 51-year-old is accused of first-degree murder. CTV's Quebec Bureau Chief Geneviève Beauchemin is in Laval tonight with the disturbing details. Geneviève. Omar, police are on the scene tonight trying to answer a question so many are asking. Why? The city bus rammed head-on into the central centre, into rooms where children were playing turning a daycare into a crime scene. A lot of screaming, yeah. Screaming and, uh, you know, uh, crying and uh, it was awful. It's horrible. This at drop-off time at 8.30 when most parents had just left their children at the daycare for the day. There are young kids stuck under the bus, says this mom. I came running back, I had to find my son. The loud crash and chaos sent neighbors rushing in to help pull those young children pinned under the bus. But some could not be saved. One child died on the scene, another died in hospital. Both were just four years old. Ginette Lamoureux's husband helped two men, both dads, tackle the driver as he got off the bus, holding him until police arrived. I saw him when the police dragged him in the, the vehicle. His eye was like popping out, you know. He was nude. He didn't have any pants. So uh, I, 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 I still can see his eyes, you know, how hysteric he was, that man. The daycare is in a cul-de-sac. Witnesses describe the bus accelerating after veering toward the daycare. Police took the driver into custody. The bus driver, a 51-year-old man, employee of the STL, has been arrested. The STL, that's the Laval bus service, where the suspect, Pierre Ni saint amand worked for nearly a decade. He faces nine charges, including two counts of first-degree murder and aggravated assault. Investigators say it will take time to pull all the pieces together. There's a growing memorial near the scene, as the fact that a daycare could have been targeted sends shockwaves across the country. I can't imagine what uh, the families of the kids who were killed uh, and indeed the ones who were seriously injured are going through right now. Other daycares have opened their doors to welcome the children, but many parents say that tomorrow they will keep them home and that tonight they'll be hugging them tight. Omar. As any parent would, what a horrifying day. Geneviève Beauchemin in Laval tonight. 
and there are parents tormented by the anxiety of what will happen to their children. CTV's Vanessa Lee on the injured and those suffering from the emotional trauma. Among the eight children rushed to the ER, half were taken to Montreal's St. Justine Hospital, a designated pediatric trauma center. Deux garçons, deux filles. Two boys and two girls, including Sébastien Courtois' son. He received frantic calls from his wife, who told him their child was pulled from under the bus and was now with her and conscious. He calls it a miracle and says his son earned his superhero stripes today. I can't say it with a smile, he says, because we have friends who are grieving. That pain is being felt through the community and beyond as parents struggle to understand how they went from hugging and kissing their children goodbye for the day to facing this horrifying scene. Everyone was panicking, crying, uh, you know, in comprehension. Are the kids okay? Uh, is it is my kid affected, you know? It's, uh, it's a lot of stress this morning. Around 80 kids attend the daycare. The room closest to the front belongs to the butterfly group, the four- and five-year-olds. This woman needed to see for herself her two grandchildren are safe. For everyone from parents to police officers, this was a traumatic day. Authorities urge those struggling to reach out for help. Omar. All right, Vanessa, thank you. The tragedy in Turkey and Syria grew again today with a death toll that has now risen above 12,000. In some areas, anger is moving in faster than the emergency response, leading the Turkish president to admit there have been, quote, shortcomings. The White Helmet rescue workers posted this footage today of mass graves being dug inside Syria for the devastating number of dead. Time is running out to save people trapped in the rubble, but despite the despair, there were more rescues today. CTV's Tom Walters reports from the region tonight. In Syria, a child pulled alive from the rubble by cheering rescuers. Meanwhile, in Turkey today, a newborn baby was also found alive. These are precious victories in battles that seldom end so well. More common is the scene we found in the city of Şanlıurfa, where work goes on to comb through the wreckage of an apartment building. It has been a slow process, accounting for the 50 or more people who once lived here. But we understand one more may have been accounted for now. Searchers, we are told, have just found another body. They have already found so many in Turkey and Syria that the death toll has now surpassed any other quake in the last decade. And many fear the chance of finding more survivors is fading. Then there are the many thousands who were left homeless. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan today visited a tent city, acknowledging some missteps in the government's response and vowing not to leave citizens out in the street. But that's where we found a dozen members of this extended family. We don't even have a tent, he says. And there were forceful calls for the president to do more. That kind of frustration is common. Even though the government has actually detained critics that it accuses of spreading misinformation about the response. And it has reportedly restricted the use of Twitter 
even though it's been credited with helping rescue efforts. Omar. Tom Walters, thank you. Rescue workers from a number of countries are on the ground, while some in Canada's Turkish community want Ottawa to move more quickly. We are just very disappointed how Canada has responded so lately. I can guarantee you, if this happened in Canada, Turkey team was here as the first responders. I can guarantee this. This evening, International Development Minister Harjit Sajjan tweeted, the Canadian Disaster Assessment Team is currently en route to Turkey, assessing what tools Canada can best use to respond to the widespread devastation. CTV's Chief International Correspondent Paul Workman is in a part of Turkey tonight where help can't arrive fast enough. As the force of the quake swept across Gaziantep, buildings on this street collapsed in tragic symmetry. Three days on, the searching here raised hopes that somewhere under the rubble at least four people were still alive. Looming over it all, another building sitting perilously close to collapsing on top of them. There was a call for silence, and within seconds, the entire site and the street facing it went absolutely quiet. The wait was agonizing. until the rescuers broke into cheers and clapping after finding somebody alive. It suddenly gave hope to others, waiting through days of agony for word of their loved ones. They're digging on the fifth floor now, she says, where 12 members of her family lived. Hours later, a man on a stretcher was carefully lifted to safety. Not far away, under a massive Turkish flag, scraps of wood and plastic have been turned into flimsy tents, safe from earthquakes, but not the weather. A food handout turned into a scramble of pushing and grabbing. These are mostly Syrian refugees, and this was the first help they'd seen since the earthquake struck. Others are coping without any shelter on hard sidewalks, this older woman shivering from the cold in front of a smoky fire, all afraid to return to their homes and the risk of another earthquake. At night it's freezing cold, she says, especially for the children, but we have nowhere else to go. With every deadly earthquake, it's the first 72 hours that are the most critical. After that, the chances of survival drop off dramatically, which for Turkey and Syria means just about now, Omar. Paul Workman reporting from the Quake's epicenter in Gaziantep. Paul, thank you. Canadian soccer star Sam Adekubi, who plays in Turkey, along with fellow Canadian Atiba Hutchinson, was winding down after a win when the earth started to shake. Today, he described those frantic moments to TSN's Rick Westhead. Buildings completely collapse. There's roads that are um, divided. There's fires. There's people yelling. There's people crying, there's um, um, just, you know, things that you thought you'd never see in your lifetime, things you kind of see in movies, you know. Also today, word former Newcastle and Chelsea forward Christian Atsu, who also plays in Turkey, has not been found alive. Today, his agent tweeted, following yesterday's update from the club that Christian had been pulled alive, we are yet to confirm Christian's whereabouts. 
U.S. President Joe Biden was on the road in the battleground state of Wisconsin today, trying to sell the economic message from his State of the Union address last night. But even he focused in on one rowdy moment. Many of you have seen we've had a spirited debate last night <laughs> with my Republican friend. Republicans erupted after Biden said this. Some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you anybody who doubts it. Contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. Georgia's Marjorie Taylor Greene was even seen calling him a liar. Marjorie Taylor Greene and others stood up and said, liar, liar. Reminds me of liar, liar, house on fire. The president was saying is something that he knew was not true. A separate sideshow involved Senator Mitt Romney with harsh words for embattled Congressman George Santos, who fabricated key parts of his own life story. Look, he's a sick puppy. Uh, he, he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be there. It's not the first time in history that I've been told to shut up and go to the back, especially by people who come from a privileged background. Romney stopped Santos from grabbing a prime seat, saying, you should be embarrassed. You don't belong here. Vladimir Putin's invasion was also part of Biden's speech last night, which he called a test for the ages and a test for the world. It's a forceful message Ukraine's president also conveyed today on a surprise visit to the UK, only the second time he's left the country since the war began. CTV's Danielle Hamamjan on his desperate plea to lawmakers and the king. The visit was a well-kept secret until moments before landing. President Volodymyr Zelensky on his first trip to the UK since Russia invaded his country. He's here for one reason, in two words. Mr. Zelensky, do you want British fighter jets next? Fighter jets. Addressing both houses of the British Parliament, the Ukrainian president could not have been more direct. Dear Speaker. As he gifted the Speaker of the House the helmet of a top Ukrainian pilot. And the writing on the helmet reads, we have freedom, give us wings to protect it. And I appeal to you and the world with simple and yet most important words, combat aircrafts for Ukraine, wings for freedom. Even when Western countries have been at first reluctant, Zelensky has been rather effective in getting what he wants. Battle tanks are the latest example. Well, we've all been worried about you and thinking about your country for so long. Still in his now familiar military fatigues, he had an audience with the king, followed by a visit to a British base where his own men are being trained. The UK announced today that training is about to extend to Ukrainian Marines and fighter jet pilots. As for the jet themselves, nothing is off the table, says the British Prime Minister. The first step in being able to provide advanced aircraft is to have soldiers or aviators that are capable of using them. That is a process that takes some time. We've started that process today. President Zelensky's European tour will now take him to Paris and then Brussels, where the European Union will hold a summit. Omar. Danielle, thank you.
coming up after the break. I still owe $20,000, and I'm still dealing with that. A Canadian catfish Casanova accused of scamming more than 100 women. Plus, after making history, what's next for the man known as King James? An Ontario man accused of being an online dating chameleon and defrauding some of the more than 100 women he met appeared virtually in court today. He changed his name, his profession, even his life story, and he evaded the justice system while doing so. CTV's John Woodward follows his trail. Naomi Wolf met Johnny Myers last year buying his motorcycle and the pair started dating. He's engaging and charismatic and fun to talk to. Now she wishes they'd never met. A friend sent her a link to a Facebook page, Are We Dating the Same Man? And there was his picture with many comments and many names from John Moulders to John Peter. Eight months I was with a man who I thought was John Myers. That motorcycle actually belonged to Ange Madill. They met on a dating website. She says he offered to sell her bike but never got the money or saw the bike again. I will never be the same person I was last year. My trust is gone. The same man earned Amy Todd's trust through dating as well. Then she invested $60,000 in what she believed was his horse business. A corporate search revealed the business actually belonged to an ex-girlfriend who says she never saw the money. I actually almost lost my house. Um, I still owe $20,000. Todd says over 150 women have contacted her about this man across Ontario and as far away as Alberta. Couldn't believe the amount of women that contacted me. It was disgusting. Some of these women never knew his real name until a court appearance this week. It's John Mulder, and he's currently charged with unlawful confinement and voyeurism. It's not the first time he's seen a courtroom. CTV News has discovered fraud charges and convictions going back to 2013. Four different Ontario courts have let Mulder out on bail in the last four years, then issued bench warrants when he didn't show up. One jurisdiction doesn't speak to the other. The left hand doesn't speak to the right. It shouldn't be individual. This is a huge case, and it's been going on for years. Mulder in custody in Hamilton, awaiting a bail hearing on the latest charges. One court that previously let him go is now restarting proceedings against him. All this giving hope to the women he allegedly deceived. John Woodward, CTV News, Toronto. Still ahead tonight. The net effect as Netflix starts policing passwords in Canada. Some Canadian Netflix users will soon find themselves locked out thanks to a new crackdown on password sharing. Emails started going out tonight outlining who can't watch, who can, and at what cost. CTV's John Venavelli Rao on the breakdown. Whether streaming hit shows like Stranger Things or binge-watching Bridgerton, for many Netflix viewers surfing off of someone else's account, the party's about to end. If they no longer let people share passwords, then I'm just going to cancel Netflix. On social media, plenty of people expressing their displeasure across the country after the streaming giant announced the long-awaited details of its plan to crack down on password sharing. Those living outside an account holder's home will no longer be able to tap into that subscription unless added on for an extra charge of $8 a month. And that's only available to certain accounts with a maximum of two extra users on the premium account, one for the standard. The charge more expensive than some expected. 
If you're a consumer who's been getting it for free for years, it's probably too much. After losing subscribers last year, Netflix said it would end password sharing outside the home, saying 100 million households are using shared accounts, affecting its ability to invest in great new TV and films. The company has already introduced a similar fee in parts of Latin America and plans to expand it to the U.S. I think we'll definitely give the idea for more people to consider competitors, which is probably not what they need right now. Though some think it's only a matter of time before those competitors follow Netflix's lead. Jonathan Avelli Rao, CTV News, Toronto. Coming up next, the basketball star who has a lucrative production deal with Netflix, LeBron James, the NBA's new scoring king. A remarkable moment in the NBA last night with LeBron James now standing alone as the game's greatest scorer of all time. LeBron needed 36 points to beat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's legendary record that many thought would never be broken. CTV's Heather Butts on King James' crowning moment. Into the third quarter, LeBron James a shot in history. With a fadeaway jump shot late in the third quarter, LeBron James claimed the throne as the NBA's all-time leading scorer with 38,390 career points, breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record held for nearly four decades. The Hall of Famer was courtside to hand over that now historic ball and title. I never thought that this record would ever be touched. Does this now make you the greatest player of all time? Are you now the GOAT? <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm gonna let everybody else, uh, you know, decide who that is or just talk about it. But it's great. It's great barbershop uh, talk with A-list celebrities chiming in. What a legendary night in NBA history. It's always fun watching the Lakers get it done. On this high school basketball court today, it's the talk of the team. I've watched LeBron ever since I was little. So everybody, like knowing that he was so close to the rocket and then he finally hit it. It was just so amazing. Like I was so excited. These players weren't even born the last time the record was set. It's inspiring for me, like even as a coach. And perhaps more so for his players. And I think it's also good too for the next generation coming up to know that these records can be broken and it's inspiring. As a high school junior, Sports Illustrated labeled LeBron as the chosen one. The 38-year-old in his 20th season now taking a record that went untouched for decades, even by greats like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. No one has dedicated themselves to their craft more than LeBron in terms of the work he puts in in the offseason, the trainers that he has, the personal chefs. Defying the odds of his age, he's not done yet. LeBron wants to play in the NBA with his son, Bronny, who was at the game to capture the monumental moment. Heather Butt, CTV News, Toronto. What an incredible father-son moment that would be. Bronny, by the way, is eligible for the NBA next year. And that's a snapshot of this Wednesday for all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching. Good night and see you tomorrow. CTV National News, Canada's number one newscast.